2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Folk Runyon. And tonight, we will review and discuss the newly published book, The Secret School of Wisdom, Authentic Rituals and Doctrines of the Illuminati, edited by Joseph Lages, Reinhard Markner, and translated by Jeva Singh Anand. Host Polk Runyon, who takes the part of Marion Rowland in Beyond Lemuria, will be joined by his fellow Beyond Lemuria stars, Merrick Rees Hamer, the Master Philos, and Prater Solomon, the fallen angel Semyaza, in our discussion of the various aspects of the Bavarian Illuminati, their Masonic infiltration, Christian-based socialist ideology, and conspiratorial agenda. We will discuss Adam Weishaupt's mysticism and contradict some previously held opinions about his atheism. We will discuss his relation with Baron von Knigge and some of the later individuals and organizations influenced by the Illuminati. So, if you want to amenitize the escutcheon, whatever that means, tune in and be illuminated. That amenitizing the escutcheon comes from uh, Robert Anton Wilson's um, satirical uh, subculture uh, set of books called the Illuminatus Trilogy some years back. But the Bavarian Illuminati uh, is was a very, very real and a very, very, in its own way, effective organization. And uh, right now, as I'm sure you're all aware, uh, our young people out there are fascinated by it, and we have all sorts of, of uh, people, including rock stars and everybody else, uh, talking about the Illuminati and suggesting uh, various things about the Illuminati that that uh, may or may not have some validity. You know, in other words, they the general popular opinion of the Illuminati is that it is was and and to some degree still is a secret society that literally controls numerous governments on the planet and also that also supposedly controls Freemasonry. And uh now actually this is probably not true, but there is there is truth behind it. And the reason is that the Bavarian Illuminati at one time, and they got started back around the time of the American Revolution, just a little bit before the American Revolution got going, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Germany. In, uh, in, in, when Germany was still the Holy Roman Empire, they, this is in Bavaria, was one of the, one of the, uh, the many kingdoms in, in what was left of the Holy Roman Empire. And uh, they got started back at that time and uh, they were, uh, when they started, uh, uh, I, I, you have to use the term socialist, actually. They, were, they, were, uh, they had a socialist philosophy, and, uh, and, uh, which was ahead of its time, actually. And, uh, and they also uh, they had a, a form of, uh, of Masonic uh, Christian mysticism which they used uh, to to put forth their socialist agenda. And they also, they infiltrated masonry 
in Germany and virtually took it over. Uh, and uh, they did this on the heels of another organization, which we have discussed on this show, uh, when we discussed the, the, the making of esoteric cults. And that was the Order of Strict Observance. In fact, um, the Order of Strict Observance uh, went out of business just as the, as the Illuminati rose up. In fact, the Illuminati uh, actually grabbed the the, uh, the, uh, the members of the strict observance who no longer were allowed to, to uh, call themselves a Masonic body. And uh, when, they were, when they were put out of business by the Masonic uh, Symposium in the 17, I think 1778, they immediately, most of them, switched right over to the, to the Illuminati. Uh, now, the Illuminati was founded by a... Uh, a canon law professor at the University of Ingolstadt by the name of Adam Weishaupt. That's W-E-I-S-H-A-U-P-T, Weishaupt. And, and uh, he had been, been trained and educated by Jesuits. That's the, you know, you know that's the, 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 Catholic, uh, uh, the Catholic order that uh, that was very much involved in in education, property, and and off of the Catholic Church, and uh, and they they pretty much controlled the faculty at the University of, of Ingolstadt in Bavaria, and Bavaria was a Catholic country, a Roman Catholic country, uh, whereas you know a lot of Germany was Lutheran, but uh, but they happened to be Roman Catholic, and uh, so Weiss, uh, Adam Weishaupt, uh, he wasn't a Jesuit. But he was he was raised and educated by them, and uh, then when uh, the the Pope about 1773 uh, put put the Jesuits out of business, he did he he did for the Jesuits just about what the Masons did for strict observance. He said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a plug on you people. You can't be in order anymore." And uh, so, uh, but. The Jesuits already did not like Weishaupt because he was way too liberal for them, and uh, and so uh, they were upset when he became uh, when he became the head of the of, of canon law at, at Ingolstadt. In other words, uh, uh, basically a Catholic professor teaching theological law and and uh, and civil law too. So uh, Adam Weishaupt had a circle of students. Um, who he and he 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 thought of himself as as a philosopher and and you know I I think that, that it's it's fair to call him one I think he he earned the title because he certainly he certainly influenced a lot of people and so he thought of himself as a philosopher and he had a circle of when he started the Illuminati he actually modeled it after a college fraternity he had a couple of students who had been uh, involved in the in in uh, these. Uh, Greek, uh, you know, uh, college fraternity organizations, and uh, and so Weishaupt sort of started the Illuminati off as a as a fraternity. And what he wanted to do, basically, was he wanted to mold these young men into thinking the way he wanted them to think. He was uh, he, he his idea was to to uh, to enrich and conquer the world with education typical typical college professor's point of view, you know. And uh and uh Adam Weishaupt 
was very much influenced, and we'll get into this later. Um, to, to uh, we get into this later at, at, at some length because Weishaupt was very much influenced by by the, what we called Enlightenment writers and philosophers, Rousseau and and uh, and uh, Voltaire and and uh, and Helvetius. And these these Enlightenment philosophers uh, were were very much an influence on him. And he, uh, and Weishaupt, however, and this is something that we really need to emphasize because it's been misrepresented. Weishaupt was a devout Christian. Okay, who do we have on the line? Hello, hello, who do we have on the line out there? Frederick Solomon. Who have I got? Is uh, Joe Wages? I still can't. I, I still couldn't couldn't catch your name. What? Uh, who am I? Who am I speaking with? Oh, you're talking to Joe Wages. Oh, oh, Joe Wages. Oh, great. Well, uh, you you are as as I was just mentioned a little bit ago. You are the editor of of uh, the Secret School of Wisdom. And uh, which is the which is the authentic rituals and doctrines of the Illuminati, which just came out. So welcome on board, Brother Joe, and uh, and uh, you're you're on the Hermetic Hour, and I've just been I've just been giving a little uh, a little uh, wrap up on on uh, on Westcott and how he founded the order. Uh, were you listening to what I was saying? Yeah, I got the whole part. You want to make any corrections on what I was what I, what I was saying before we uh, wrap it up before we finish it up and uh, and then get over to talking about uh, giving the insights that you want to give. Am I am I so far am I on track? Yeah, you're, for the most part, you pretty much got it all. You know, uh, for the most part, I mean, there's a little nuances, but it's not a big deal. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, anyway, I was going to say that 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 Weishaupt, in his beliefs. He's very much influenced by Rousseau, and that's the doctrine of the noble savage and the, the natural man, and uh, which which we have, by the way, uh, the last hundred years of anthropology have proved Rousseau a hundred percent wrong on that. And the other one of the other guys that really influenced uh, out was Helvetius, and Helvetius was the was the fellow that came up with the idea that everybody's born. Uh, everybody's born with a brain that's a blank slate, and uh, if that sounds familiar, you know B.F. Skinner went with that one. And uh, and and there's no such thing as a, as as somebody being born with a criminal mind. And we all know by now another hundred years of research have proved that Helvetius was just as wrong as Rousseau. And and so all men are not created equal in spite of. But Helvetius had a lot of influence on on Weishaupt. And a lot of influence on on the whole uh, liberal political position. In fact, uh, the all the doctrine that we that that Jefferson ended up uh, picking up from you know from Helvetius, perhaps from Weishaupt, but but Jefferson uh, put that in the Declaration of Independence. You know, we will behold that all men are created equal. Well, for political purposes, perhaps we should. So it has become a political dogma, but it's certainly not true. All men are not created equal, and and as um, and we as we have proved, Rousseau was wrong that uh, that that uh, the primitive people are are freer and and more natural and freer 
and, and, and all than civilized people. That's not true. That's absolutely not true. Primitive people are so hidebound by superstitions and, and all that they have no freedom at all. And we, we know that now. So Weishaupt had some wrong ideas that he based his, his philosophy on, and he passed those, those same wrong ideas on to Karl Marx and, 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 and other socialists. And God, I just want to make that clear to begin with, because that, that's one of my problems with, with Weishaupt and the Illuminati. Anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, they went ahead, and, and, uh, and pretty soon Weishaupt, as this thing began to grow, Weishaupt brought in Baron Adolf von Kanike, uh, who was a Rosicrucian, and, a, uh, and he'd been very much involved in strict observance. But um, but when strict observance went, we got somebody else on. Uh, who else? Who who just checked in? Hi, uh, this Solomon. is. Can you hear me? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Samyaza, is that you? Yes, it is. Oh, good, good. Uh, okay, we've got uh, we've got uh, uh, Joe Wangas on already, and. Uh, 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 Brother Joe, say say hello to uh, um, to uh, Prater Solomon here, uh, Semyaza in Beyond Lemuria. Uh, he's quite a he's quite a Bible scholar, by the way, and uh, so I introduce you to. And uh, so anyway, I'm 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 wrapping up. So so Baron von von Kanege, uh, he uh, he brought in about 500 when when they when they had this this symposium in 1778 and and the masonic uh the masonic uh committee uh, disenfranchised uh uh strict observance uh Kanege was right there on the floor and he grabbed 500 of them and got them in the illuminati bang just like that and that uh that really really got it going but uh uh Kanege teamed up with Weishaupt and uh, and he uh is the one who really masonized the rituals. He really, uh, Baron Kanege really wanted to, to uh, you know, get them into masonry. And, and uh, you know, being a Rosicrucian and all, he he also um, he went along with uh, with Weishaupt and Weishaupt's mystical uh, Christian uh, point of view up to a point. It finally fell apart between the two of them, and we'll get into that later. Uh uh, Brother Joe, you want to pick up this story from 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 here and and uh, and you know maybe kind of continue with it? Oh, absolutely. So, um, one thing I think that's important that we we make the distinction of though is that I don't think that necessarily that Adam Weishaupt was a socialist, and I think what we're doing is we're looking at it through like a modern lens. And what he was doing in the mm-hmm. context that they were operating in was that. Uh, you know, this is all prior to the American Revolution, right? So, like, the only type of uh, people's republic that ever kind of rose up uh, and overthrew their monarch for a brief period of time was in the uh, English Civil War. And so it, he didn't really have any kind of context to go with that. And so, and like you say, you know, that uh, time has disproven that, you know, Rousseau's discourse on the origin of human inequality, which later became the social contract, and his idea of the noble savage in conjunction with Helvetius's concept of uh, humanity being a blank slate um, – Really, you know, it's just an idea. It's not, I don't think that what they were trying to get across there 
so much was that you know that humanity is born a certain way, but I think what they were trying to communicate is is that humanity by its nature has an exalted state, and through uh you know just throughout the course of like humanity like you know needs and whatnot manifesting other needs that what ended up happening was that humanity through its needs and through its associations like that uh you know with any type of governmental system like that there's a, an exchange for uh of control for power and protection. And what he was proposing to do without any kind of context as far as like the Americans successfully uh, starting a republic here in the United States um, was that he was advocating very much so for the same thing, but from a different perspective, from his perspective, being you know educated under Jesuits uh, and then having kind of like an esoteric research of like popular enlightenment philosophy. And so what really Adam Weishaupt was trying to do was to make mankind happy, and by making mankind happy, making him uh, you know to have to be able to have the capacity to govern oneself. And so that's 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 the the nuance that I have with uh, with your introduction is that you know it wasn't necessarily like a socialist uh, philosophy per se. I mean, true, some of the socialists later on, you know, in a couple hundred years after the fact, kind of derived inspiration from the same sources. But what he was trying to do was was to was to make mankind happy and to raise mankind up to its exalted state. You know, through the only things that he had to go by, which were you know popular philosophy, mainly emanating out of France. Well, you know, uh, I appreciate what you're saying here. I, I don't agree. I've read through you know, I've read through all of Weishaupt's lectures and everything in your book here, and and uh, uh, you know, a lot of it I showed it to one of my Russian friends, and she looked at it. She said, "My God, this is I'm just like reading Marx." And and uh, but anyway, uh, you know, be that as it may, got somebody else on the line. Who uh, who do we have on the line here? This is Hello, Steve uh, Folks, this is Mary. Oh, oh God, Mary Kaler. Ma- Master Philos. Welcome, welcome. Uh, now we have. I had uh, trouble. Uh, I was calling an old number, I think, and I, I had trouble getting in. But here I am. Oh, you, well, you're in now. Good, excellent. Uh, we have Joseph uh, Joseph Wages, uh, who is the editor of uh, the Secret School of Wisdom. We have him on, and we have uh, and we have uh, you know. Uh, so Yaza, we have Frater Solomon on, and so uh, and we're expecting. Uh, are we gonna? Uh, is uh, is uh, Jeva singing on? Gonna call in, Joe? Yeah, he should be on right now. He's on right now with you. Uh, yeah, Jeva, are you there? Yeah, Jeva, I thought I heard him you, a second ago. Okay, all right. Well. Hmm. Well, anyway, uh, uh, well, I, so he'll, he'll, he'll probably come back in uh, in a moment. Let us know when he when he's back on, because I want to say sure. hello to him, and and we all do. Anyway, uh, now you know, as I said, I I uh, and I, of course I've also, as as you know, and as I mentioned to you, I've also read uh, uh, Terry Nelson's uh, Perfectibilists, which. Uh, uh, you know, is sort of a commentary on on all of this because obviously he's he had, was had access to all the same material you guys used, uh, and uh, you know I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my assessment, but uh, uh, you know I uh, I I I think uh, however one thing I want to make very very uh, clear because we we need to uh, and I've been guilty of this in the past myself of saying that well. Weishaupt was actually an atheist, and 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 he was just using Christianity to get his 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 uh, socialist agenda across. 
But I don't think that's true at all. He he seems to have been he seems to be devout, and he seems to have been a devout Christian in his own way, and and uh, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was a devout Christian, and and uh, and there are some you know there there certainly are some socialistic uh, aspects to uh, to the New Testament uh, philosophy to, of uh, Jesus of Nazareth too. Uh, Although we could also say that his parables deal with business and family and inheritance and all things like that, so we're not really sure whether Jesus was a was an out and out communist or not. I, 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 I we were not sure of that, but but the argument can be made either way. I, I think uh, anyway, uh, the uh, relationship with with uh, with Baron Kanige, um I had also. Forth, and I don't know where I got it from, but I got uh, the idea, and I think I need to correct it. That Baron Kanige did not uh, was not responsible for bringing down the Illuminati. I mean, that's that's another another uh, misconception that people have. He later refuted it. He later refuted uh, after, but he had gotten out of it, uh, and and he had promised Weishaupt when he got out that he wouldn't he wouldn't betray them. He just he just retired. And uh, and then of course after the whole thing blew up, then he then he published an apology. Uh, uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, Kanige and and some of his uh, background and and whatever. Uh, who me or Art? You, are you asking? Uh, is it, am I I'm pronouncing it uh, Vegas? Is that that's uh, right? Well, I, I, I was Yosef, asking, I, I was Vegas. Asking, I was asking Joe Vegas uh, if you want to talk a little bit about. Uh, about Baron Kanige and his and his relation to this. Okay, yeah. So, um, so Kanige he joins the order uh, in 1780, and prior to that, like you say, he was a member of the strict observance. Um, and now, the strict observance system were strictly observing a uh, you know a mythical Templar origin of Freemasonry, which of course wasn't true. Uh, but you know, it just it kind of continued on for a while. And so, it wasn't until the death of the founder of the strict observance, Baron uh, Baron von Hund. And when he died, um, it basically the uh, system collapsed on itself in that um, the uh, strict observance was supposed to be led by these unknown superiors, which, of course, didn't well, exist, and it wasn't laid well, bare you know, until you, he you – know, let, let, me, let, let me interrupt you right there. You know the reason. When, when, when the old man died, the old baron died, then Mysterious Johnson took over. And mysterious, yeah, we got somebody else on. Mysterious Johnson took over, and I think it was Mysterious Johnson that brought it down. Really, he had, you know, he was uh, he was the fellow that, that that wanted to wanted people to think he had some Scottish blood in him or something or other, and and uh, yeah, that that was the end of strict observance. But anyway, uh, oh, we got somebody else on the line here. Who's on? Yes, this is Jeeva, the translator. Oh, oh, hi, Jeeva. Uh, well, you know, we're you're talking with uh, with Merrick Reese Hamer uh, out here, and uh, and uh, and uh, Mike Johnson, that's uh, Frater Solomon, and uh, and uh, you're and of course uh, Joe, who's right there with you, and uh, and uh, let's see. So far, we don't have uh, Mike Downs on yet, but but he probably show up in a bit. Okay. So anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, Joe, you were uh, you were uh, holding forth on uh, on uh, uh, on Kanige, I guess. What do you want to add on that? 
Yeah, so Kaniga, like basically when the strict observance collapses upon itself like that, you know, there's 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 uh, many guys that get the idea to try and reform the strict observance. You've got Johann August von Stark, and then you've got uh, Kaniga, he wants to do his own little Masonic reform. And so you get a lot of these little splinter groups out of it. Well, Kaniga, he wants to make a Masonic reform, and it's about the same point in time he comes with the Marquis de Costanzo, who was a uh, member of the Aeropagus in, Ber- in uh, Bavaria, uh, yeah, no, in Munich. And so um, he, he comes in there, and he wants uh, to reform the strict observance. Well, uh, Costanzo says, well, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you just uh, – you know, the, the organization you're looking for is here already. And so with that, he joins the Illuminati. Um, he starts recruiting zealously for it. And, uh, you know, through his recruitment, you know, he's wildly successful, and he comes into contact with Weishaupt. Well, through this contact with Weishaupt, you know, Weishaupt basically admits to him that, hey, you know, these higher degrees that you're asking to confer here, well, you know, truth be told, they don't exist except for my mind. But until you, I've never found a worthy collaborator. And so he basically, like, earnestly solicits his participation in creating the Illuminati's uh, ritual system. So the first things he does is he reforms the Minerval degree. And then he uh, copies a ritual book from the Lodge Zynekite in uh, in uh, Frankfurt. And then so then they take the uh, ritual book and, uh, you know, they kind of modify it and change it. So and what we have is what they call the eclectic rite. So basically they were collectively borrowing elements from all different types of uh, Freemasonic systems. And uh, so they developed the uh, – the uh, symbolic degrees, and then um, he also developed the Scottish degrees. Now, there's elements of the uh, of the Knights Rose of Croix, which was one of the uh, terminal degrees, like in the French system at that point. And um, he takes some elements from that and puts it in the Scottish Knight degree, and also in the Priest degree to kind of give, you know, the uh, veneer of it being an authentic Scottish uh, Masonic system. And he goes forward like that. And basically, um, what causes him to fall out with Weishaupt is that. You know, he writes everything up to the regent degree, and the process was he would write these manuscripts, and they would be conferred uh, only after the Aeropagus approved these edits and changes. Well, he received, uh, you know, the things that they wanted, and he was given permission to go ahead and start conferring the degrees. Well, he confers a few degrees, and because, um, you know, about a month or so later, he gets a packet from Vysop saying, you know, I need to make all these changes. Well, it turns out, you know, he can't make these changes because he's already been conferring these degrees, and it will reveal the system to be a modern creation and not an authentic ancient system. And basically, you know, they get into a big fight, you know, egos battle each other, and he demits from the order, and it kind of gets the, the, the ball moving as far as, like, the order starting to collapse on itself in that, you know, uh, Kniga, he's responsible for about 1,000 members of the uh, of the Illuminati of its almost 2,000 members, so, you know, he carries a little bit of weight with him there. And then also at the same point in time, uh, Vysop starts getting into a little bit of trouble, and Bavaria loses his teaching position, and then the series of edicts come out, and he flees, and that's kind of where the uh, – the end of happens for the Illuminati in about 1785. Yeah, the yeah, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about another issue, of course, that is highly uh, highly controversial and sensitive, and that's this whole this whole secrecy thing about uh, the Illuminati. Now, the, the way I, I gather it from reading this, that the Minervals, the the Minerval churches. Were were small groups, uh, sort of things we would call encampments. They were small uh, study groups that that formed that were that were members. They were made up of members, and and they at least knew each other uh, in the Minerval groups. But uh, but then uh, at a certain point, they this this cell system. Uh, West Weishaupt uh, had initiated the cell system both for groups and for individuals. Now I can't quite figure out myself, and maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, 
you know, just exactly how this cell system works because, frankly, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of it sounds like the kind of stuff that we were taught by these Eastern European guys at uh, when I was when I was going through special warfare school. This this uh, sounds a lot like uh, uh, you know setting up a setting up a clandestine apparat or or you know a terrorist network or something like this. And so uh, now the, the, the little Minerva groups were supposed to be separate from each other, but they were little groups, right? Okay, is that one to me? I said, yeah, yeah. They were little groups. In other words, the Minerva, the little Minerva churches were were small groups where that where the individual uh, members knew knew each other. Yes, and so like let's back up one more step though. Okay, so when a, when a novice comes into the order, basically he's insinuated by one individual. The uh, person who's insinuating has to get approval from. Uh, from the Minerval Assembly, he gets permission to insinuate this brother into the, into the uh, Minerval Assembly, and he can also maybe have another one underneath him. And so, what you're talking about is the uh, probationary period. Uh, you know, could last up to a year, year and a half for someone before they're brought into the Minerval Assembly, and they don't know anyone; they only know their superior. And basically, it's kind of a way of like testing out: can they keep secrets? You know, are they going to progress at all? And it's a, it's kind of like a, it's like a filtering mechanism. So what what there it was it was less like a clandestine organization in that regard as much as it was like that initiate uh, you know the initial probationary period. And then once they joined the Minerva Assembly like that, you know they had knowledge of all the brothers attending the Minerva Assembly. Yeah, Crowley used this as the impression I got. The impression I got is that their first exposure is very limited to a uh, number of members. And uh, their access to other members would happen gradually over a period of time. I I was wondering if that was a way of uh, maybe covering up uh, maybe a, a limited group or or just if there was really a purpose to it. Part of uh, the reason that they were being kept isolated from each other was that they were being observed. Um, mm -hmm. They uh, one of the things that the Illuminati were very interested in was um, doing um, psychological research, and so a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of the uh, the, the Minervals were basically constantly observed, and um, they were also supposed to practice their own powers of observing other people. Um, another uh, another aspect was that um, um, the the secrecy that they were involved in was supposed to get them more excited about the uh, about learning more about the water and about advancing to the higher degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes that clear that that, that the romance of the secrecy. Even to the point in there where he's where he's uh, uh, suggesting that that you put secret notes under the guy's plate at the at at, at a stated dinner, you know, he gets a secret cipher note and he lifts his plate up. There's this note under there. Or while you're having a conference with your with your student, you're the mentor. Somebody delivers a secret note to you and you let him see the cipher, and and then you know, oh no no, don't look at that. <laughs> well, I got the impression that uh, advancement was rather limited, um, in some cases proscribed, and that that attributed to the collapse of the uh, right of strict observance, because uh, a number of uh, members in the right of strict observance were rather frustrated that they couldn't have access 
to advancement because of these unknown superiors. Yeah, the the right of strict observance that was that was actually kind of an interesting story. That was one of the that was uh, at the time was the major um, the major um, Masonic rite uh, in uh, the German speaking countries. And, and it differed um, from those Masonic bodies that were into occultism and and uh, magic and so forth. It was more of an enlightenment structure. Um, yes, and it was based on it was based on this idea of unknown superiors that didn't exist. And once that and and because they didn't exist, um, a lot of people started showing up with charters, uh, forged charters from these imaginary unknown superiors. And um, they started um, bilking um, some of the unsuspecting members who thought that these guys were legit out of large sums of money. And that was basically the purpose of the Wilhelmsbad Congress um, of 1782 and 1783. Um, they were supposed to get to the bottom of this. They, um, they sent invitations or they made an announcement that the unknown superiors um, needed to show up, um, or they would have to start thinking about some other things. And um, they never showed up, and as a result, the the um, um, the strict observance was declared an invalid right. Yeah. Were the unknown superiors uh, supposedly uh, human beings? They were supposed to be human beings, yes. Okay. <laughs> Because I draw well, parallels what? between, I draw parallels between that and uh, and the third order of the uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, where we have secret mm-hmm. secret chiefs, which some believe may be uh, you know administrative chiefs. Others may think of them as something divine to which the chiefs of the second order can receive inspiration. Uh, but the secret chiefs very seldomly, uh, if at all, historically, have ever um, directly gotten involved with the administration of the Golden Dawn Temple. There is a story. If, yeah. yeah. There's a story, by the way, Merrick, and, and whether it's whether it's quite true or not, I'm not sure. But there is a story that there was a comasonic version of strict observance in those days, and that that Madame Blavatsky, when she was 19 years old, got picked up by the black carriage on the street corner, just the way the way strict observance did it, you know, and then taken to the chamber yes. of reflection. And, and that that's where she was inured with this whole idea of secret chiefs and everything and unknown superiors. And then, of course, when she ran into Ranbar Singh over in, in uh, you know, in, in uh, London, Oh boy, you know she finally met her master, and uh, mm-hmm. the uh, that that's I don't know whether that story is true or not, but I uh, but I, I have run across it. Anyway, uh, uh, well, how did the, Autumn Weishaupt uh, explain the uh, unknown superiors at that point? Well, um, the the Illuminati had their own unknown superiors, um, although they weren't that that wasn't the title that they were. Um, given um, and these, I if I remember this correctly, were the members of the um, of the regent class, and basically what they uh, were in charge of was um, they they were the ones that were basically administrating 
the um, the psychological research. They were compiling um, they were compiling psychological profiles on all their different members, and um, the idea was not so much at a control mechanism, but they wanted to find out how does the human mind work, and what motivates people to do um, good things. What what are some things that need to be done to get people to think critically in, in these things? The um, one thing I oh sorry, mm-hmm. Joe. Uh, I was just going to say one thing I really noticed along the lines that you're discussing right now is this was very reminiscent of of uh, my undergraduate degree in, in um, social psychology and also mm-hmm. um, some graduate work in sociology. We're doing a lot of uh, research. We're reporting it to our professor. He's telling us how to analyze that research. Um, but another angle I kind of saw, um, it, it's not quite like masonry where it's just um, making men better. I, I, I kind of get the impression that that Adam Weishaupt is still somewhere. Uh, I noticed he has a um, kind of a disdain for people who are born royal like princes or uh dukes he, he kind of he, he kind of seems to to look down on them and i and i totally appreciate the reality of that and the truth is if, if you want to change the society the only way to have a an effective revolution is with the middle class getting on your side and, and it looks like he was trying to create some sort of revolution to break up the um the tyranny that the um that the german royal uh family had or the German royal families, because it wasn't really Germany like the like it today. That, um, but the, what, the, what the, where was he taking his people? I, he called one of his higher degrees docetus, which is Gnostic. What do you think Adam Weishaupt's eventual goal was? What was his vision? And, and thanks for writing this book, by the way, because it really it dispels tons of myths. It really. It helps us look back. It kind of eliminates it. It's like, I want to know how you do the magic trick. I want to know how you do it. Oh, that's how it's done. And it, you kind of blow up the mystery, but then you get us to see what uh, they were really about, what they did do and what they didn't do, because there's a lot of myths. But um, where do you think Adam Weissup was trying to go with the order? The idea was, uh, the the central idea was, um, that oh, one of the central ideas anyway, was that he saw a relationship between the moral um, development of the citizens of the nation and um, the form of government that it would have. And you'll see throughout the whole um, throughout the whole degree system that um, violent revolution would not be an effective tools of transforming society. So his idea was to implement a, a moral regimen where people would gradually develop over the course of centuries or even thousands of years, would um, work on perfecting themselves as moral beings. And as a result, um, the form of government would basically adjust to that. So um, in a society where everyone was a perfectly moral being, um, tyrannies, were, uh, tyrannies or uh, monarchies would no longer be necessary, and they would go away naturally. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I missed the uh, initial uh, introduction because I was busy trying to find the right phone number. <laughs> but I, I gather you were talking about um, 
you know, the uh, idea whether uh, whether Illuminati uh, practiced uh, Marxist kind of ideas. And the way I, the distinction I see is that Marxism uh, or anything that's espoused by Marx or Friedrich Engels mm-hmm. had to do with um, an attachment to materialism. You know, without material, there would be no need for, uh, you know, for Marxism. And I, I don't necessarily see the Illuminati ideas as that materialistic. In fact, they seem to um, denounce uh, structure. Uh, they seem to get the idea that um, structures such as government, religious laws are what created divisions in society. And when I look at um, the re- the religious view, the uh, the uh, somebody mentioned the uh, concept of do- uh, docetic Christianity. Mm-hmm. I-, I think one of the degrees was called the docist. Is that right? The docetist, right? Yeah. And that- uh, well, of course, docetism, uh, docetic Christianity, is uh, is a representation of of Christ in uh, a non-material form. Exactly. Uh, there are actually two ways to express docetic uh, Christianity. That is where <clears throat> Christ uh, is not really human, but he just appears to be human. He's really spirit, and what what the uh, believers see is something that uh, is really an illusion. Uh, another aspect is that um, some believe that uh, a spirit had entered into the body of Christ, Sometimes that's represented by the dove descending after the baptism uh, from John the Baptist, and then uh, and then the dove departed from the body, or the spirit departed from the body at the at the uh, as uh, Christ gave up the ghost on the cross. So uh, I I see a parallel here where uh, if we were to try to reunite um, humankind and all the world it would mean breaking down those things that had created the divisions, including government, including religious laws, and return to what would be maybe termed natural law. Mm-hmm. Now, when you take a docetic Christ, the benefit of that is that uh, he has no specific attributes in that, in that form. Uh, Christ could be a man or a woman, uh, of any particular, uh, no particular ethnicity, and therefore uh, he could be viewed as some kind of spirit that can be appreciated by people of all all categories. If we, if, of course, at that point we wouldn't have categories. The the idea um, the idea um, behind that degree was that human beings with their with their five senses could not possibly. Um, comprehend a, uh, an, an infinite creator. And so what, what we perceive to be Christ um, is one of, um, is how we perceive it, that everyone can perceive the same thing in different ways. And, um, yeah. Uh, Joe, uh, let me, uh, let me uh, uh, run this by you right quick, in along the line of what we're talking about. The way I, it looks to me from reading uh, his lectures on this in the Mysterium uh, end of it is that that he he sees uh, 
Jesus as a uh, in, in the in the Gnostic in the in the purest Gnostic sense, not as a as a physical human being, but as a as a spiritual manifestation or an apparition, and and that uh, that uh, this is you know this is a one of one of several Gnostic schools held that belief, Marcion being one of the main ones, and uh, uh, not Marcus Marcion. But uh, uh, the uh, then then also you know along with this uh, this Gnostic uh, this idea of this of, of this of the, of the Gnostic the Gnostic Christ, he also uh, seems to be something of a spiritualist. In other words, he he has this Parthenogenesis idea of of uh, spiritual succession. Uh, I can't quite figure out how Parthenogenesis works in a spiritual sense. I'm still wrestling with that one. But but uh, the uh, uh, the idea is that uh, that he's underwriting even even talking about uh, uh, even at one point talking about reincarnation as a possibility, and and then he's. Uh, He's talking about, which of course is near and dear to, to to my heart. He's talking about the multiverse and and the simultane and 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 all of these parallel worlds possible. Uh, he really was quite a mystic, actually, you know. And that's another thing that that uh, I think is a uh, sort of a, a thing about him that we have about Weishaupt that we have overlooked is his mysticism. And and uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I think uh, one thing I think it's key to understand here is in the in the uh, Docetist degree that basically what's going on is um, the background behind it is you know Adam Weishaupt lost his first wife Afra, and so maybe in a in a in a, in a larger sense uh, him writing this thing like that where he's trying to reconcile humanity in the physical world with the immaterial world that's incapable of our senses like that it's it, it also represents in my mind's eye that he's transitioning his thought from materialism to idealism right and so instead of like things being finite and rightfully so because it i mean th- there's obviously something beyond this but what he does is through logical secular reasoning he proves the existence of the soul uh or the existence of god the immortality of the soul and and there's a life after death, and uh, basically he does it through the uh, five senses where he tries to prove this. And um, so, when when we talk about Docetism right there, like what it's, I think it's less of a Gnostic belief and more of a deistical belief, right? Because you know the, one of the main tenets of Deism is the uh, immortality of the soul, the existence of God, and uh, and an afterlife. Now, whether the afterlife is us like joining like the world spirit or the the universal spirit or you know, something like that. It, it's, 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 it remains to be seen, but that's what's going on. But, I believe. But Christ, be, Christ becomes a principle, almost, almost a principle of of, of the uh, of the mystical philosophy. Uh, as, it, as, as much of a principle as he is an actual spirit. We got somebody else on the line. Who who we got on the line here? Me, but I don't want you to listen to me. Who who am I to, who am I talking with? Hello. Hmm. Hello. You're on the Hermetic Tower. Who, who? Who's just? Who just came on board? Sounds like a basketball oh. game. It does. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, a wrong well, number. I guess. I, <laughs> I guess they just. Oh, they just. They probably got the wrong number. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, to get back to it, uh, you know uh, that this uh, 
the business of the spiritual Christ, though, uh, it, it's almost like I say, it's, it's, it could be, the, the, the Christ almost becomes a, uh, a sort of the spirit of God in, in your deist. Uh, if, if you want to call him a deist, uh, I, I, uh, then, then Christ becomes sort of the, the, the descended spirit of God in this sense, which you, which, which would fit anyway. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I I don't have any problem with 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 with, um, with with that or appreciating it. I have a little different concept of Jesus myself. I I, I like to, I like to think of him as as physical because the idea of you know of of, of the man who realizes God within himself is, is sort of as far as I'm concerned that's that's the essence of Christianity is is finding Christ inside yourself and and uh, and he uh, Jesus being the first one who did. And, but that's just that's just my way of looking at it. Uh, there's one thing well, I, I think uh, deism usually refers to God the Creator, whereas Docetism usually refers to one aspect of the Trinity being being the Christ. You yeah, right. Also consider the Christ and the Spirit together. But God the Creator yeah. is uh, is very much um, active in in uh, deism, where where God creates yeah. the world and then kind of steps to the side and. Let humankind, uh, you know, run his own affairs. Yeah, and and actually, so uh, you know, you can be a, in a sense, you can be a Christian deist. Certainly, you, yeah, can, be, was, uh, you can be a deist. Yeah, you can be a deist and still and still appreciate the and appreciate the the principle at least at least the spiritual principle of Christianity. Anyway. Yeah. Now, one thing I noticed is. Um, it looked like Weisopt and Kennedy, they were trying to be Gnostics, but they didn't know enough about it. Um, studying the Alumbrados a little bit, um, I, I have an interesting book, The Book of Prayer of Sor Maria of Santo Domingo. Um, the Alumbrados are the, um, that's Spanish for Illuminati, and they existed before his time, um, the Illuminati's time, but they tried to create a lineage to them. It really, it, it doesn't fit... Um, because they were they were more of a, a peasant ecstatic organization, and um, even trying to fit into the Gnostic stream, Gnostics uh, there might be there definitely was trying there was definitely an attempt to try to connect the Gnostic lineage. But I, I noticed when um, Adam Weissup talked about Mani, the prophet Mani, founder of Monichaeism, he. he he just said study him, but he didn't seem to have any real knowledge. And a lot of the Illuminati, they were trying to give the appearance of having been around a long time, like you mentioned, but they really weren't. And when you read all the rituals, you can tell that this thing was created in one generation and it didn't get to go any further. Um, so I think that the pretense on Gnosticism, when I read the Docetist degree, the Magus degree, it really doesn't, I couldn't see any allusions to Gnosticism, and I was wondering if, if he really even was familiar with what Docetism really was, or, or if it was well, or if, it, or if he was even well researched in Germany at that time. Well, if he was, uh, then he would have uh, realized a disdain for uh, material, because the Gnostic uh, Gnostic uh, texture of belief was very anti-material, and the concept was really to to uh, be be released from the material world, and that's why it's it's. Kind of inconsistent to think of uh, Weishaupt as necessarily an adherent of of Marxism because because of that disdain for materialism. That's yeah. the way I see it. 
Yeah, that's us, uh, I think that's us looking back. Yeah, but yeah. we can project me, Marxism on him because he didn't know his experiment was going in that direction. It's um, it's kind of like the Whig Party and the Federalist Party. Uh, they had an agenda. Um, they did everything they could, and then their philosophy just was no longer practical. It, it looks like Marx kind of had some influence from Weisop, certainly, through a kind of a descending organization. The uh, I think the Brothers of Justice was what they were called. But then it became something different. Uh, the communist experiment was tried, and, and it failed. Um, but it, it did look like he had some influence on the French Revolution as well, through Napoleon, I, I think it was Napoleon Bonville. Um and that, that seems to have turned into something a little bit more um, positive. Um, I, I think the Illuminati definitely went extinct, but it does look like they had influence on later um, secret societies, probably predominantly because of the self-structure. Well, well, well Marxism, was, uh, Marxism was originally inspired by Hegel, Hegelianism, uh, but, it, but Hegel uh, was really too idealistic for that to, uh, to be sustained. And... Um, I think you can maybe make a more a stronger comparison with with Hegel than you can with Marx or or Engels. I think uh, Terry Terry Millison makes that uh, makes that connection, but he goes all the way from Weishaupt to Hegel. <laughs> but yeah. that's you know that's, that whether whether Terry Terry Millison is right or not, I don't know. But he but he's he's running it from from Weishaupt, uh, uh you know to Hegel to Marx, and uh, yeah, uh, but. Certainly, uh, the Illuminati had influence on the Jacobin clubs uh, before the French Revolution, and and there, there doesn't seem to be much doubt about that. Um, and uh, the French Revolution, I can say something course, about that. What? I said I can say something wish? about that. So, yeah. So the the uh, if you look at the French Revolution, like a lot of people like want to look at it as this monolithic thing, right? But really, the French Revolution consists of two revolutions within inside of itself. First is the initial revolution of 1789, and then uh, when uh, Robespierre comes into power in 1793, that really changes the whole dynamic of it through the Jacobins, right? And so the uh, Jacobin clubs. Yeah, so the uh, Jacobin clubs basically like they're they're the extremists. They're you know, they're violent. They're the ones doing all the guillotining and all the things like that. Well, if yeah. you look at it, the uh, actual adherents and uh, followers of the Illuminati they would best fit under the Girondins. But um, in point of fact, the Jacobins had all those guys summarily executed. And so what I'm getting at is like what was going on as far as like all the uh, extremism, the dechristianizing, and things like that. That has very little to do at all with what the Illuminati were all about. So like when we say that you know that there's influence on it like that, we talk about influence. Influence on the French Revolution, French uh, influence on the Marxism. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to say these things like that, but I think that the, the tie that binds all these things together is popular philosophy throughout uh, humanity, right? And so that's the that's the tie that binds. So people can draw from the same you know, sources of inspiration, right? Like you might read a book and take it. You know, you've read our book, right? So you've taken a, a different opinion of it than what um, Brother Art might take from it, or I might take from it, or Jiva might take from it, or Reinhard might take from it. Or anyone might take from it. Well, so what well, we're Joe, talking Joe, about, really, Joe, you're making some very good points here because this is the way this this is journalism rather than anthropology, jumping to conclusions like this, you know. 
And this is yeah. one of the things when I was studying anthropology that we we were constantly reminded of. There's one. There's a journalistic way to look at things, and then there's a, there's the anthropological way to look at things. And and you're right. And and uh, and so I take it back. I don't. I think you're right about the Jacobins. I don't. I don't think we can connect the uh, the Illuminati to them. And I and I, I apologize for making that journalistic type assumption. Well, <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. I'll apologize for <laughs> okay. anything again. I'll never no, apologize for <laughs> Okay. I stop right well. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No more apologies. Anyway, uh, no. But, uh, however, uh, even though I admit I was probably wrong on that one, there is there are some things that concern me uh, about the about the secrecy and the uh, and the whole uh, you know as I say the the uh, the cellular operat kind of a uh, kind of a structure and all a lot of this disturbs me uh, greatly if this is if this thing's going to get started up again and and uh, and you know. You you guys published all of this, and so you're giving uh, you're giving people, especially the impressionable young people, the the uh, say, oh well, here it is, okay, let's do it. Uh, but uh, you're you know when you, if if you do if you do it on the same old model, you're creating a secret society that that is uh, going to have all of the uh, oh you know, if you do it the way it's laid out in this blueprint. You're going to have something, frankly, that that, that appears to that it might go in a dangerous direction, and and I I want you to comment on that. Yeah, sure. So I mean, like basically, the whole point of publishing the book one is to set the record straight, two to establish a narrative of what the Illuminati were, and thirdly, um, to basically um, should anyone attempt to do anything like that, the uh, whole uh, the whole mechanism is already laid out for you, right? So I mean, like, it, say someone's trying to like infiltrate a Masonic lodge, right? Well, if they use any of the modes of recognition in that book, that's not going to work for them. Um, furthermore, like if we look at the structure of it like that, what was the Illuminati trying to satisfy? What was the need for these things, right? Well, in the context of it. Um, with the Jesuits dominating education in Bavaria in the 18th century, you know, up to about 1773 when they're disbanded by the Pope, so they had a, a monopoly on the educational system, right? And so anytime, like as a maxim, like if we look throughout history, that anytime anyone tries to suppress anything, it actually leads to its propagation, right? So they were trying to uh, suppress, uh, you know, advances in science, philosophy, and what have you, you know, just basically the general ideals and tenets of the Enlightenment. And so yeah. what it did with, with this downward pressure actually make, gave rise to this organization. And so what I'm saying is, is you know, let's look at it within the context of today. What, is the, what would be the need for even having a society like this? I mean, under these same ideas and principles, you know, now could someone adopt a model of something else? Sure. But that's the beautiful part about yeah. it being published is, is everyone has full mm-hmm. information, so it's easy to detect now. No longer exactly, secret, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that is often um, overlooked is – the focus of the organization on moral education. Um, they they were supposed to be uh, trained in a spirit that was more philanthrop- uh, philanthropical um, rather than uh, political. Um, when we talk about the whole political structure, again, the relationship uh, between the, the moral uh, character of the citizens and the form of government is very, very important. That, that was almost essential. Um, so for the time being, um, at least during his time, 
Weisfeld felt that um, governmental forms like monarchy were necessary um, for certain nations at a certain historical period, and only the moral development of the citizens would uh, allow them to come up with more sensible forms of government. That's a very good point. A very, very good point. And and uh, the moralism I think in you here, by to the way, adolescent periods. Let me yeah, uh, let me let me say this. The the uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, we've run into a lot of Thelemites that are very attracted to the Illuminati, and of course Crowley was influenced by it, and he he adopted some some uh, you know some aspects of it, but. Uh, they, 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 uh, from the way I gather from this, reading reading the School of Wisdom, that the Illuminati would not have given Curly the time of day. I think they would have kicked him out quicker than Yates kicked him out of the Golden Dawn. And and uh, <laughs> and the whole polemic proposition, it just does not just not meet up with this at all. And so. All of you Thelemites out there that are eagerly listening to this, trying to think that you're going to learn, that you're going to get the get the inner secrets, you've realized that. I, I hope you realize that 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 uh, the law of Philema just doesn't fit with this at all. Anybody want to comment on that? Oh, I, I would have to totally agree with that. If you read these rituals, they are they are dripping with morality and ethics, and and um, you could read any single degree and. It, be moral, be moral. It's kind of like Swedenborg was always saying, be good, be good. Um, yeah. Weisop's desire to create a, a strong moral society with good ethics and uh, to get rid of, um, he, he really was trying to get rid of the educational domination, not not just of the Jesuits, but of the, the nobles in general who had a desire to yeah. keep a dumb mass. He really was trying to get the educated class to have a stronger influence in government so the noble families who really didn't want people getting smart would be making less decisions and people who were educated would be making more because as he said in one of his degrees i think it was out yeah. of the nerval princes and, and dukes they they just if they've been born that way they've been spoiled and, and they have an inability to really understand what it's like to be a more common person who has to struggle for his living Exactly. I agree, and, and agree. He also he, he also talks about that in his uh, post Illuminati writings. He talks about how um, he talks about how the um, he talks about the whole concept of virtue. Uh, how you've got these heroic virtues of the ancient Greeks and and so forth, and then you also have to acquire domestic virtues that uh, poets don't sing about these virtues. Um, of being, say, a good father, a good husband, or or being a forgiving person, and, and things like that. And those are the virtues that he was um, trying to promote. Absolutely, and uh, and uh, the uh, and probably there, you know, as I said, if 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 somebody was going to attempt to actually follow this mm-hmm. and do it, uh, there'd be there they would have some problems. Uh, and with uh, with masonry because uh, oh, yes. there's one point in here where where um, there's one point in here where where Weishaupt says uh, I think it's Weishaupt that, that that says this that well at this particular point you're you're up in the Scottish degrees at this particular point uh, we can we can communicate to you all these other higher degrees from these other rites we have them 
and it's going to cost you a big contribution. You got to make a, a big contribution, and then we will give you an envelope full of these, uh, and you can read them and then give them back to us. Uh, so, in other words, they're communicating the degrees. Now, that of course immediately makes makes uh, makes the order clandestine at that at that moment. It, 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 the, moment the moment they claim they can communicate other Masonic degrees, uh, well, confer or communicate. That makes that means they're making Masons, and that makes them clandestine. And, as well as uh, they were also uh, chartering lodges without uh, without uh, without a grand lodge issuing those. So they were also doing irregular mm-hmm. stuff as far as uh, chartering irregular lodges as well. No, sure. And and uh, I remember we had a, a situation. Uh, our mutual friend Mike Downs years and years ago sick this fellow Jeff Peace from Georgia on me, who was trying to start the. Uh, Start up the the right of Memphis and Mizraim, and he was trying to start that again. And he came out here and uh, he communicated with me a few times. I just kind of I just kind of shined him on, but but he came out here and he and he rented the uh, Glendale Masonic Center and put on a big event and he and he had, and he put or emailed all of the mailing list he could get the, the Southern California mailing and Masonic mailing list and and he was gonna have a presentation down in the dining hall, uh chalk talk and you know, and slideshow and all of that. And then after that after dinner he was going to take people up into the lodge room and you'd have to show your dues card to get in to get in uh uh the, the lodge room meeting. Well, uh, when I, I got remember that, that thing, I yeah. yeah, you remember that, Mary? Yes, I do. Yeah, well, I called up Steve Doan at that at that point, and I Steve Doan, by the way, is for those of you who don't know, he's our Grand Lodge lawyer, and he's a past Grand Master, and uh, Merrick and I know him rather well. Anyway, I I called up most virtual Steve, and I said, Steve, we got a problem here, and and uh, what are we going to do about this, and. Uh, Steve said, well, you can go to the dinner. Go to the dinner, enjoy the slideshow, but you don't dare go upstairs and show your dues card. If you do that, you're in trouble. And, and that, you know, uh, I remember that. That uh, So we, we put the word out, you know, don't, don't you know, enjoy enjoy their food and look at their at their downstairs uh, dog and pony show, but don't go any, don't go up to the lodge room. And that's, uh, so this is true. I mean, you, you can't. Uh, it's it's really easy to become a to be to do something and become clandestine, and that's uh, that's what uh, I think would happen very quickly if if somebody tried to put this this uh, back into operation here. Um, and there's there's another thing. I mean, there's a there's a reason that the Illuminati um, collapsed, and they those were internal reasons. They were structural reasons. Um. And um one of one of the one of the um the big problems that was caused later um too um toward the end of the war was this whole idea of the Pia Fraus, which was well we're going to when you come into the water we're going to go ahead and um pull the wool over your eyes, we're gonna tell you that we might have all these occult secrets and all these things mm-hmm. and then the idea was to basically gradually pull their heads out of the clouds and put their feet on the ground. Um, yeah. The other thing, too, to keep in mind is that Weissel didn't have a clear understanding of 
the importance of the Masonic ritual. Um, he only made it to uh, he only made it to the Fellowcraft degree, and, um, and to accommodate Kaniga. Right, and and he never and and we we have uh, the lodge records. We we looked at the lodge records, and it also shows that he didn't really go to um, to lodge all that often. Still, he wanted to use Freemasonry as this uh, as this network to proliferate his ideas. And if you look at his later writings that he wrote after the Illuminati, um, you kind of get the sense that he actually might have made a decent Mason if he would have just stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, he probably actually uh, he probably would have uh, if he gone if he gone through uh, uh, all of the uh, all the degrees that he could have gone through. He probably would have really gotten a lot out of it, and and mm-hmm. would have uh, yeah yeah. Uh, well, the uh, uh, wasn't the problem though. Wasn't the problem though that York Wright and, and Scottish Wright were really not established? I mean. With the exception of strict observance, which was collapsing, third degree was as high as you could go in masonry, and that was it. There weren't really very many options uh, in the lodge beyond yeah. third degree. That's that's like the top of the that's like the top well, of the mountain. The third degree while, was not part of the system originally. So. Oh. What, what again, Mr. Paul? Uh, even I was the third degree third? was not part of the original system. No, no. Uh, oh wow! So some of the some of the the higher degrees were were certainly being being uh uh promoted and whatever what eventually you know the what eventually became our twenty eighth degree you know before before uh uh we lost it in scottish right what eventually became twenty that that was that was created that was going around at that time that was you know with, with father adam and brother truth and whatever uh, uh, that that was in circulation at that time, and uh, the uh, actually um, oh I want to mention too that that our our particular system that we use the old system Prateripoa mm-hmm. had had an influence on the on the Illuminati and 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 if they were reading uh, they were reading from the Prateripoa uh, outline to the Minervals and. Uh, whether or not they were actually trying to in, to enact the Kratoripoa uh, fourth degree, but they were they were at least they were reading it, and uh, uh, and so uh, it, and I thought I had thought previously that the Illuminati had influenced Kratoripoa, uh, especially in the sixth in the astronomus in, in the astronomus degree. I thought I thought that the Illuminati had. Had to influence them because they didn't. They were trying to trash astrology, and I thought, "Uh oh, that's the Illuminati coming in." And uh, no, actually, it's the other way around. The Crater Report came before the Illuminati, and the Illuminati were uh, using it uh, as part of their uh, their Minerva uh, kind of lectures. I don't think they were actually using it as a degree, though, were they? No, well, what they were using Craterapoa for was so like Craterapoa, um, it was written by Freemasons, and it was supposed to be, uh, it was basically uh, written after the fact to make it look like there was like some ancient elements to Freemasonry with it, right? Yeah. Well, they were using it precisely for the same reasons. Um, they were using Craterapoa basically to say that okay, well, there's these elements in this book right here, like that. So they they took uh, a jewel uh, that uh, James Tassie had in, uh, copied, made engravings yeah. of. 
and so that he he used some of the elements out of that thing, and then also uh, the explanation of the Minerval uh, painting. He he took that idea that, and the elements like verbatim and took it out of Craterapoa. So it was just he, it was basically well, it was took, an influence yeah, yeah, right. on they, the degree. They took uh, they took uh, 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 in Chief Forest they 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 uh, after after the candidate. Uh, uh, kills the gorgon in our case stabs Medusa. Uh, then they they, uh, they 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 awarded him with with the owl medallion. Yes. Uh, Merrick, are you there? I'm here. Yes, I am. Well, what do you think? I think I think we should go ahead and take and take the owl medallion. From the Illuminati's version of Craterapoa, and we ought to do that. We'll, we'll we'll start doing that after the candidate stabs Medusa. We'll 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 put the owl medallion on him, and then okay. so we can, <laughs> all right, let's do that. Good idea. We get some out of it. Okay. Uh, uh, you're gonna you you'll let us do that, won't you, brother Joe? Oh sure. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, you know, I, I, <laughs> okay, we got your I, I owl. What I what I find interesting about the book is that um um you know, for those uh, conspiracy uh, theorists out there that believe that the uh the Illuminati and even Freemasonry for that matter uh <laughs> runs the uh, world from uh, from a small uh, uh nucleus of uh power people, powerful people uh it it would seem to suggest that the Illuminati was very much um, um, molded for the uh, European Enlightenment, and it would probably work only in that part of the world and in the United mm-hmm. States. It, it certainly uh, um, it, it certainly um, invalidates the idea that it would work in in other parts of the world. So, I think what you've done is you've accomplished. Uh, Invalidating the idea that we could have a, a, a new world order that would be truly uh, universal. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I I like the Illuminati. I, I don't know how much I can refer to. I, I want to keep what we do um, secret, but uh, you know, whatever folks want to say is fine. But I, I I do like for a particular reason. I just want their owl, Mike. I'm just going. I just want to take the I, owl. No, I no, the but, but, okay. <laughs> we're we're talking about fourth degree stuff, and and I kind of like how Adam Weissop has this thing. You know, you have all these jewels, this money, uh, this scepter, this crown, sitting in front of the candidate of the Illuminati. I think I can't remember which degree it was, but Regent. the idea was don't grab it, and if you grabbed it. Well, you know, Poke, I think it was Manly Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else, but uh, who uh, told us that the original um, emblem for the United States was not an eagle, but rather a turkey. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and and somebody along the line uh, said, "Well, we better make it an eagle. It's more stately, or whatever." So, uh, you know, if they could change it to a to a an eagle, I think you could. Uh, Go for the owl. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, well, we you know, have, I, you I, have I, a hell. That's why we sure there. there so. I think I think what's happened is is that they gave us they gave us the owl kind of backhandedly. They they took they took uh, the, the, the fourth degree from Craterapoa and, and put an owl in it, and and so uh, you know, okay, we'll we'll take it back and we'll keep the owl, uh, and you know, and and then we can. 
we can say, now we get this from the Illuminati. They gave it to us. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. Anyway, I am really, really um, um, pleased with uh, with with this uh, this show tonight because I think the book is absolutely beautiful, and I think everybody that is really curious about uh, the Illuminati should read it. And especially, I especially recommend it to some of our Thelemic friends who think that who have been under the false impression that this is that this is this, the, the big secret behind Thelema and that this was what Crowley was resurrecting and all of that. They're going to find out. They read this book, they're going to find out that's not the case at all. And uh, I think that's that that's one of the one that's another that's one another one of the good things about the book. It's going to it if if some of these in, you know some of these really bright teenagers who have been who have been caught up in all this Illuminati. Uh, uh, glamour and furor and everything on the internet. Now, now they can dig in and and uh, maybe even their teachers at school will say, okay, you know, give us a give us a book report on this, and and that, that they'll then they'll really find out what what this Illuminati stuff is all about. And I think that's a that's a great service. And and uh, and brother Joe, I think that 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 right there because of the way the young people have. Gotten this thing in the in the pit in the teeth and run with it. Uh, ever since Robert Anton Wilson came out with that, you know that that ridiculous Illuminatus trilogy that's been going on. This Illuminati mythology has been building, and you've done a great service. And and um, Jeva, are you still there? I'm still there. Yes. Yeah. Good. Uh, you guys, you guys have done a great service because believe me. You look at the internet. You look at go. You go search Illuminati. You Google Illuminati and look at what you got out there. And 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 you, so consequently, that that right there justifies what you've done. You have shown you have, you have shown these young people uh, if they have sense enough to look and sense enough to read. You've shown them what it really was, rather than what they they have been misled into thinking it was. And, and we really and that was basically go ahead. Oh, that was basically one of the. That was basically the main reason that we went ahead and did this project. Well, good for you, and that's a real service. That that that's a real service. And I am, you know, frankly, as you know, I I'm I'm critical as I was in the beginning, and and uh, I don't agree with you know a lot of Weishaupt's uh, ideas, but but at the same time. I have to admit that the man was sincere and, and that he was certainly in devout in his own way and sincere and 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 I have learned a great deal from this and I've corrected a lot of my misconceptions. And so I wanna thank you both for coming on and I wanna thank you so much. Uh and we're just about to uh you know, just about well we're 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 running kinda of late, but that's that's okay. Anyway, uh Next week, uh, I don't know how we can top this one. This this was a terrific show. I don't know what we can we do for next week, but next week we'll try to come up with something uh, of uh, equal interest. Uh, I, I, that's going to be difficult because this was a real good one. Thanks again, everybody, and uh, and uh, be sure to tune in next week. And uh, good magic. Bye bye. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for coming on.